part-time juniors and semi-professional football have all had their attempts at getting back playing. But just where has the lockdown left the amateur game? The definitions used by government mean teams at that level haven't kicked a ball in anger now for over a year. Is that right? Is that fair? And just what state will the game be in if and when it ever returns? We'll put those questions and more to someone who knows the amateur and juniors game. Paul McCall is currently the vice president of the Football Central Sunday League. He played for English side Darlington in the 80s, but then returned to Scotland and joined brother Glenn, Glenn Cairn. Spells at other junior sides followed before he stepped into the amateurs, first as a player, then into the dugout, during which time he lifted several trophies. We'll look back at those days with Paul too, and there's also Roach's roundup with Kilburnie Ladeside assistant boss Des Roach. It's all here as we go down the divisions. Good to have you along as we take a look at Scotland's lower leagues. So, Paul, the season's over. Uh, I know you talked about looking to do work on the pitch at New Mains before things were ended and, and everything was up in the air. And has, has the sort of certainty now allowed you to, to get a bit of preparation in for next season? He certainly had, certainly allowed us to do that. And as soon as we found that out, then, you know, we got contractors in to kind of have a look at the state of the pitch and what we could do to improve it and uh, look at some funding streams to, to make that better. However, the league have now come out and said, providing everything is all uh, fine and well in terms of COVID and, 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 you know, adults can go back to contact sport, that there's a proposed date of the 17th of July for the new season starting. So, you know, whilst 17th of July is quite a bit away, that means we would then be looking at probably going back somewhere in the region of mid-May to, to start pre-season. And obviously, we've not had any games since first week in December, possibly, second week in December. So for us, then, we're going to maybe have a period of eight weeks where we're going to need to try and get plenty of games under our belts. Pitch will be a wee bit harder. We want to try and avoid some injuries and all that as well going into the season. So, yeah, so it gives us a wee bit of lead-up time, but we are probably going to have to go back a wee bit earlier as well just to just to prepare and make sure we're prepared for next season. Good stuff. Well, I guess uh, I guess it's good to be looking forwards and hopefully we'll have uh, we'll have more news on that as the weeks uh, the weeks go by um a quick word for our sponsors media agency 44 creative not only do they have photographers graphic designers videographers and video editors to help promote your content brand organization or event they now offer website services too they make creation personal and they'd love to hear from you find out more at www.44creativehq.com and we'll include that link in the show's description on your podcast player too Back to the show, and please do keep the comments and suggestions for guests coming. If you're a club in the lower leagues looking for more exposure, we'd also like to hear from you. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Well, I'm Stevie Farrell, manager from that, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Football Central Sunday League Vice President Paul McCall is with us this week. Thanks for being with us, Paul. Yeah, thanks for having us, lads. We'll, uh, we'll chat some more in a moment, but before we do, we've got the Down the Divisions decider. We'll give you four clues for a particular club from League One down. 
then reveal the answer at the end of the show. Paul, you've got the clues this week. Well, we'll run the teams, Gareth. I think we I think we nearly went through them all. So uh, we've got a man from the amateurs game tonight, Paul. There's plenty of amateur teams we've not covered. I didn't want to go down the amateur route tonight because obviously I'm not too sure that maybe you would get the amateur game. You're more Premier League with your journalism, so I wasn't quite sure about that. <laughs> so right, the first game was on February the 19th, 1876, when they faced Valencia. Not the Spanish giants, but local junior side. They have also represented Scottish football in Europe on three occasions. And in 1963-64 season, they beat Spartak Borno of Czechoslovakia. In 1995, they become the first Scottish side to participate in the Inter-Total Cup. Famous for wearing a distinctive colour, distinctive colours, this wasn't always the case. They spent the first 50 years wearing blue. Paul, I can you, see you, you, that there. <laughs> you've, you've, you've raised the bar tonight, Paul. Normally yours are dead easy. I just thought the last couple of weeks I've made them too easy. But uh, no. So we'll reveal the answer at the end of the show. Just before we do, Paul, have you got any ideas? Oh. Uh, don't give us an answer if you do, but just if, if you've got an idea. Yeah, thank you. Oh, well, he's struggling, I'm struggling. We'll find out, we'll find out at the end of the show, as Paul says, anyway. My name's Callum Graham, Ashfield striker, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Football Central Sunday League Vice President Paul McCall is on the show. Uh, first of all, Paul, uh, it's obviously been a, a hugely frustrating spell for your members, I'd imagine. Have, have they been... Have they been in regular contact with you and, and the rest of the committee asking what's happening? And I guess, have you been in a position where you've not been able to give them an- too many answers because you're in the dark too? Well, that's obviously everybody's in the same boat having to take weight for other organisations giving you the guidelines. Um, it's been tough trying to get people together and all that. I mean, we've got 50 odd teams in the, the membership, so. Going with these Zoom calls and everybody tra- shouting at once and all that, it's hardly been ideal. So we've been sort of trying to keep everybody updated with the Facebook page. Again, it's they're getting questions. Understandably, you're getting questions, but it's questions that we can't answer, unfortunately. How, how tough is that? Because, I mean, I guess, well, we've talked about it during the whole of the lockdown, the difference between some of the top amateur sides and some of the some of the juniors or what used to be juniors the west of scotland these clubs are all very you know well ran is it fair that, that you're not being allowed to play or, or can you understand there has to be a distinction and a cut off or well there's obviously the common sense is going to come in here right enough but there's been times where it's been common sense seems to run out the window i mean you're looking at the kids the kids were all getting herded, uh, herded into school classrooms and yeah, all these parts were lying empty at night and the kids couldn't go out and social distance train. That, 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 that just didn't make any sense in itself uh, at all. And then you were always thinking about how we could get things back on normal, but it's, to be honest, it's, it, as, it, uh, as you think you were getting back into, you could see a wee bit of light in the tunnel things get worse and worse 
it just seemed to get worse as we went on and stayed a better. Just couldn't see where it was going to end. I still, even now, you're getting all the things about um, the countries abroad and now talking about a third wave and you're waiting on that coming on while still trying to plan for getting back. It's, it's no ideal. We obviously, with the juniors last year now, obviously into the west of Scotland set up. Uh, communication for us has been relatively quite good, other than people looking for answers that I just know they're in government. But I always felt that whether it would be like the juniors or the the West Scotland, they had that kind of link at hand. And as soon as anything, you know, come out, we will let you know they would let us know. Was that the same with like the Scottish Amateur FA? Did they have that communication feed? Was that was it you know well distributed to you guys? Well, very much so. The social media coming basically the same as you guys were almost coming simultaneously. We have got a couple of full-time workers at Hamden, employees for the Scottish Amateur, and and they've been great as in for any information that you you've been seeking. Although. Obviously, as still um, governed by the government, it's they've been just as quickly as you get it. We've been getting it sort of thing. The the boys, the two boys we have in our hand have been great. And what's the feedback you've been getting from from your teams? Has it been like frustration from them? Because as Gareth touched on, you know, the bottom of the the bottom of the West of Scotland league teams. Compared to you know some of the top top amateur teams, there's nothing really nothing really in it. And you you sat on both sides of the fence, being involved in amateur and junior yourself. Was there was there quite a lot of frustration coming back off these guys? Well, de- definitely. What we've got to remember as well. See, the the went a full season there, as everybody can understand. But all the money, all the bills were still coming in. They still had all the paying all that and. No, they're going to get into another season. They've not had any chance of raising any funds here this past year. So the likelihood it is they're going to be looking for the same sort of funds again. They maybe, I don't know, there's talk just now with the insurance company about maybe discounted for the, the season going back, whatever. But that's still, there's nothing been decided on that. And the clubs are going to need to go and find more funds again without having the chance to raise any funds. So they're going to find it really, really hard with, with that side of things. Obviously, over the last couple of years, well, for the purpose of our listeners, I suppose, there's maybe not been involved in amateur players. Amateur clubs rely heavily on their players paying subscriptions every week and obviously local sponsors to, to get their, their, their strips and things like that. Have you? Do you think that... a uh, with, with the way things are, that is going to be much more difficult. I know over the last few years, certain amateur leagues have lost a lot of teams, a lot of teams folded. Do you foresee that for the for the, the, the season coming, or have you had a good uptake on that? Well, to be fair, our league just now, most teams are coming back, and there's a couple of teams looking to join. You're probably looking on paper, sorry, looking on paper just now, we have one or two teams up, but in general, the whole amateur football, it's there's only 900 registered sides now. The, the, when it was at its height, probably the mid-80s, no, mid-70s to early 80s, you were talking about 3,700 amateur sides registered. Now we're sitting at 900, and that it's really concerning before this cut in. And I would, I would expect this to have a, probably a detriment 
I'm absolutely a bit confused with it as well because obviously our kids' teams back, so 2007s are back in there. Uh, they're obviously not non-contact training, but I was talking uh-huh. to an amateur team that was at, at the park the other day, uh, and they're they're saying no, oh, they're they're going to be going back in a few weeks' time, and uh, I noticed one of the amateur teams is taking junior players, uh, and I was talking to another junior manager last night. I'm saying junior, so it's semi-professional manager last night, who says to me, I've said to the boys, I think the amateurs will be back in a few weeks' time, and you know I'm, I'm quite happy to let them go and get game time. But is that is that true, Paul? Or do, do you foresee them going back sooner than the than the, the, other, the senior pros and things like that? I, I think uh, the best of Scott on that, depending. We we're do, we're going to within our umbrella we're going to trial something this year and it's involving changing the calendar. We're going to trial it for two years and we're going to run it from say as soon as we can get back. But it would be say we can through the summer months for next season and we're going to try <laughs> we're going to um, we're going to try and trial a different calendar for two seasons. Out with the amateur game. You're just looking at the uh, top to bottom. The finances, we, we seem to, we're, we're hearing, we're underselling ourselves. I think the whole of Scottish football maybe going to look at changing the calendar. Uh, in regards to playing through the summer, you're going to get television. Sky will give you more money, I'd imagine, because they're no sticking you on the Sunday afternoon or whatever. You'll get more prime time hours through the summer than what we're getting now. And it'd be probably a better product to sell. My learned friend here, Mr Law, he's been a big advocate of uh, summer football. He's been bleating onto this to me for probably about 10 years. Uh, uh, how do you see public parks and things like that? And get, do you see that as a problem with, with the, you know, the council's well, off? It's, Paul, Paul it's, it's funny you should say that because we've got a situation just now in Glasgow we're going to come back off. I see companies get set up the recreation side itself is Glasgow Life. They're actively trying to get away parks just now. They're, they're, as far as it's looking for the outside looking in, they're washing their hands with it. Uh, they'll keep Tory Glen, they'll keep um, Glasgow Green to them are busy every night, whatever. For myself, we have used uh, Belair in the past. A great, great facility up there. It's in a deprived area. Uh, they ran that place down there for the last four or five years. Danny, the, the boy Danny Cameron for the 35 years. I know Danny team. well. I know Danny's told Danny, Danny's, just, Danny's just accepted the community handover at the facility in Easterhouse, Stepford. Yeah, Stepford. The, yeah, uh, the council's ran that down also. Um, Danny's tenure. I just hope. Um, Pray that Danny gets the support for the people around about him because you've got to recover these, you've got to recover these surfaces and all that. And it's you're talking maybe a quarter of a million pound. So the council have handed that over without recovering that. I think they're meant to be recovered every ten years. They could have given him a wee hand somewhere, recovered it, and then handed it over, and it gives them the chance to have ten years of putting money by to recover it again. But it's all these. There's a lot of facilities at Glasgow Life for. Can I just hope it gets taken off their hands? And it might be a tag in the poke for some people. 
Partick Thistle Community Trust have took took a couple on, haven't they as well? Well, the Springburn is it? Springburn, I believe Paul Juniors have taken one of them. Um, Danny's taken that one at uh, Easter House. Belair's still, I'm a, as far as I'm aware, Belair's still up for grabs. But it's, it's terrible just the way they've allowed all these facilities just to, to run down sort of thing to where they're at now. So, so in theory then, Paul, that transfer of power will enable you to and could enable other clubs to to kind of do this this summer summer thing that should be less of a less of a kind of a, an obstacle than it might than it might have been in years gone by uh, well the the old weather parts would enable you to do that but you're thinking now are they going to be there there might be some of them no worth saving mm-hmm. some of them on that uh, disrepair then they might not be worth saving or it might not be viable to take it on because you've got to go and find the funding and I think the funding's as readily available as it once was. Well, I actually had a, I actually had a dialogue this week with the Sports Scotland uh, facilities funding. Quite frankly, there's no money there. As uh-huh. far as I know. Yeah. It's not, maybe, maybe that's wrong to say there's no money there, but you really have to have a, a case for a community organisation and uh-huh. Putting a football park somewhere doesn't appear to be something that's uh, high up in their, their priorities. Like you say, there's a there's a thousand parts lying about, isn't there? Uh, the only thing for me would, and I know the the upkeep in our part in terms of trying to drain it, if it's and somebody going in and cutting it, the council if the council stop doing that, that's going to be a problem. But probably from our point of view. And, and Gareth's passion, we should really maybe touch more on the positive side of things in terms of summer football. It must be exciting. It must be exciting for the guys finally to see light at the end of the tunnel. Uh-huh, yeah. Well, it's everything new. Everybody's scared to try something new. Usually it takes a lot of talking before you eventually get And sometimes you miss the boat. Just the way we're coming out of this now, it may be all fit together for well, definitely for your point of view to try all the summer, but uh, that's uh, maybe the only good thing that's maybe come out of this from a football point of view for us. I uh, I applaud that. I mean, it's something that I've been writing about and talking about for a while, and I know there's there's obviously devil in the details sometimes, like you talk about the pitches and these kind of things, but exactly what you say about, particularly now with, with COVID, looking like, you know, it might be more prevalent in the winter months, which might make football less possible or, or tougher to, to play in the winter months because of all these restrictions as, we, as we've experienced over the past few months. Surely playing in the summer as well should help, number one, when, mm-hmm. when you'd like to think the, the virus levels are down, but also getting changed on the side of a park and things like that will be a, it'll be a lot more easily done and encourage mm-hmm. guys to play, presumably, as well, Paul. Uh, definitely. That's uh, the big thing as well. It's just uh, it's another obstacle that's came in the way. Just uh, when we're talking about the registrar's teams and all that, it's another obs- it's another excuse for people to stop playing football. Unfortunately, this uh, this year out sort of thing, it's another excuse for that. And, and you look at just uh, the summer football for a, a higher point of view. It just I, I just think it makes more sense now to do it because we don't have teams now. Uh, this year's different because uh, if we hadn't qualified for the international tournament, it was something wrong. The way it was all set up, and even then we were fortunate enough, uh, we were fortunate to get through in penalties. 
but it's not as if Scotland play in these tournaments every four years. We don't. It's not as if um, we're getting teams going into the semis and the quarterfinals and semi-finals of Europe. We don't have that either. So that was all arguments in the past that they could have had why we couldn't start the summer. But they're, they're not there anymore. There's absolutely... All the arguments they had are slowly disappearing sort of thing against summer football. Where I see a real positive, and I'll use Danny, I'll use Danny as a, a, a great example. We've got a great connection with Danny because uh, tragically we lost one of our players over the over 35 playing against Danny's team. So we've got this kind of connection with the guys at East Star. If anybody's going to make it work, it's going to be Danny there. Danny's a, Danny's a real community man. And if anyone knows where Stepford sits, sits at the kind of base there at Easter House. See on a summer's night, Paul. The crowds will come over. If there's a game on there and they hear a referee's whistle, they'll come over there. And you're talking about, you know, the the the, the Scotland playing in uh, the tournament. I also see that as a real opportunity. We're going to be looking to try and build communities again. And it's a great opportunity for teams to come and say, Do you know, we're just going to go and watch Scotland play on, on, on Wednesday night and then we'll have a game this week. And I actually think it's going to, I think it will improve the game because the summer night will be there. Uh, if that was cold winter, Friday, December, then that, that kind of camaraderie is not going to be there either. No. Uh, well, I used to love that when we going towards the end of the season. When you, when you played junior, you had the Friday night games and all that, and the short sleeve, every other crowd was in short sleeves and all that. It, it just gives a different thing to the feeling of the game as well, so it does. Then running about, the wind blowing, the rain howling down. It just it, there's a lot of benefits to it, if I've been totally honest. And the things they try to hold against it are slowly disappearing, sort of thing. It maybe made a lot of sense to try it. And, and what is the, I mean, well, what is the the take up been from the clubs so far? And, and, and what comes next? I mean, do they have to rubber stamp it? How, how is your kind of league set up that way? Can the committee make that call, or do the clubs well, have to well, vote it through? Well, we have been in um, talks with people at Hamden and that, and it's set up that we've got a sort of breakaway within our um, organisation, a Lanarkshire team that are coming in. So we've just decided that we're going to have a Lanarkshire league this year, but we've just decided to trial that through the summer, and we've not had any objections. So that will allow us, we've told them the plans are, Trialing it for a two year, the business nothing's come back to say we can't do it or anything like that. And so, so when would that then likely start? Well, we are hope we were hoping to all be back when it off kicked off. Speaking about it, we were hoping to be coming back just a bit now. To be honest with you, that's been put back a couple of weeks. So I don't see any reason why maybe nobody started it for June. Right, that's good. Oh well. Good. June, July, and then, but I think ordinarily, if you were going to run a full season, it'd run something for the April, the nine month for the yeah. April one. One thing about Alec, obviously, you're vice president of the league, Alex president. Alec is very, Alex also involved with Gap Cairn, uh, semi professionals as well, but Alex very much at the forefront of changing things. He'd done it with, with, with the over-35s league. He changed the calendar on that in terms of every second week uh, played over one calendar a year. And and again, you know, the every second week just worked great. 
uh, it was fantastic. But Alex very, very open to ideas, and it's quite a progressive league uh, to be encouraged, I suppose, Paul. Well, definitely. Sometimes when Alex first, I remember Alex was a young man. Can I into the kind of committee? Young or has he? No, he's never looked young, but he's been young. <laughs> but, um, he's was kind of a relatively young man when he first got into that game, and I remember speaking to the older guys that have been a bit typical committee things. Uh, people that have been about the game for twenty and twenty-five years in the committee, and they were a wee bit standoffish with him and all that because it was brash and it was coming up with all these ideas that just totally went against the grain. Look, I remember one time we went to a a European Nations, uh, it was, I think it was junior vice president or something, the Scottish Amateur Football Association, and he insisted in paying his own way there. And it was things like that, and people they weren't too sure of him and all that. But he's, he's, he's stuck with it, and he's done really, really well. We've, uh, I mean, the summer football is great. I mean, we've gone, it wasn't, I, I think, the, the line of kind of discussion Paul and I thought we were having. So it's been great to have that, that um, uh-huh. you know, talked about. Just just bringing it back to where things are now. I mean, I was actually thinking a couple of things about how the, the past 12 months have affected the amateur game. You know, number one, not playing. But number two, you know, there's been now the West of Scotland League set up. That for some of these top amateur clubs might be seen as as might be seen as more attractive to them or if there's ambitious clubs that want to kind of go that way. I was wondering, were you fearing fearing of, of you know, some of the top clubs leaving leaving your association and going across to the West of Scotland League and, 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 and could that could that happen? Could that be a reality? Because they can also play as well, can't they, at the minute? There's a bit uh-huh. more certainty. Yeah, I, Semi-pro. Uh, there could be players there as a club, but I think most of them would find that probably beyond their reach. The way the West of Scotland, I don't know how, but Paul's feelings are on this, my own feelings on it are, um, way the West of Scotland set up, I think that for the, 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 the mass of junior clubs that's went, it's only going to probably four or five junior clubs that could use it as a, to go into the next stage. All the rest of them have went there and I didn't really see the need for killing the junior football or sort of shutting the junior foot but then I didn't see I think that maybe only four or five of the clubs are going to kind of have the capability they've outgrown junior football basically yep I could write a white paper on it Paul I could honestly I could I, 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 I live and dream this do you know what I mean I, and, and having been at the amateurs one of, we got involved in the Saturday morning league and probably one of the most progressive leagues it suited players Players, you know, could go and play their football in the morning. If you were then want to go back for the young family, you could you could go back to the young family. You were only training one night a week. Uh, the retention of players, I would have said, was quite good in that. And I was watching other areas of of the the kind of amateur football fall away. My personal thoughts now. You said you know probably went from three thousand teams, eighties, nineties, down to nine hundred. I also think there's too many. And I, I'm going across the board in Scottish football. I'm not, you look at the Premier League when we had the SPFL and the SFL. It needs the Scottish Amateur Football Association to kind of put their own regionalised pyramid system in at the in at the amateurs because there is teams over the years 
that have done really, really well. You know, Hurl Foods and your... Uh, oh, McKennedy's Colville Park. McKennedy's Colville Parks and stuff like that, who have done really well, you know, getting to like five Scottish Cups and all that kind of stuff, who really are probably... I, I, I hate comparing teams, but, you know, Colville's could probably have played not just in the bottom division of that, what was the junior the junior leagues. They, they, right. they, so that I, I do believe there is a route for that. We look at Boddington and St. Cardix then who have set up. I mean, these are legacy clubs. These are clubs, uh, I think Holytown Colts is one as well. They've actually really got a system. It's self, you know, self-sufficient. They've got kids paying 30, 40 pounds a month coming in and they can, then, they can then go and compete in it. So I think there has to be kind of one route for those clubs as well. I think they have to be allowed to progress if they want to progress. We also need to then also protect. I sometimes think it's dead easy for wee Jimmy down the road to say, oh, I, fell out. I played with XYZ, I've now fell out with them, I'm going to set up my main wee team. And then they go to a league meeting, sit in front of the league and say, aye, we're going to, we're going to set up a team, right? They, they meet the criteria for the amateur league and then they get three seasons out of it, then they fold. I think that all needs to be structured. There needs to be a coming together where somebody says, right, right, Jimmy, you're what I set up a team and you're in Castle Milk and, you know, you're in Castle Milk. Why are we not trying to pull our resources together? And I think it's dead easy to let teams in, but I think it needs some kind of structure, some kind of pyramid system within amateur football that feeds up right the way up and make it a genuine pyramid system like you've got in England. Uh-huh. Well, Alex always been as long as I've known him involved with amateur football he's always been for inclusion and when you see a sort of a, a, a thing like that happening you, you just spoke about there somebody coming in and might be a bit inexperienced he takes them away and he tries to help them and all that and I've seen him doing that before with two clubs neighbouring on the brink uh, maybe getting out of the game he gets the two of them together and all that but it's always going to happen in amateur football it's always going to happen. Teams know fulfilling fixture, uh, fulfilling the season and all that. And sometimes it's the biggest of teams. I yes. remember going back years ago, Coatbridge CC, Alfie Con, the manager, they won the West, won the Scottish in the same year. Ten years later, they were, they were extinct. Yeah. And I think that's my concern. Uh, maybe amateur teams coming in, and I know, I know, I know. There's teams, you know, Bales and folded in the juniors and that, but. Majority of teams are hundred year old teams, hundred uh-huh. clubs. So, and I, I think they would really need to fit a right criteria to get in there. And that's not me sitting on the fence saying, "Oh well, all of a sudden you've went from amateur to semi pro, and you, you know you think you're something." That's not me saying that at all. It's about having the proper structure in place to make sure if those teams want to take that route. And I think, well, Kenny Young, I think mentioned it uh, to us last week. I think it's possibly 16 teams, I think, have applied to come into the, 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 the new West of Scotland League, which, again, is great. But I think they would really need to fit some kind of structure. And if we had this pyramid system within the amateurs, I think that would sort it out over the years, Paul, because they, they've got the years to grow through that as well. Well, there's a couple of big clubs in our, which I would call big clubs in our, uh been into the rest of Scotland and it's all on good faith. There's money men there. If they, if anything happens to them and they walk away, their clubs will drop a lot of stone. I mean, it's not just 
affect going to affect amateur teams. That 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 could happen to dozens of junior teams just as easily. And it's mere mere. It used to be thirty years ago. Nearly every junior club had a social club. That's what financed yeah. your team. Now, if any sort of success at all, or even just to keep going, now you need a money man now. These guys get fed up quite easily. Fall out with people. This that and the next thing. They, 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 there's just as much kind of thing with their chance of a junior club, uh, but the rest of Scotland club doing it an amateur club. Mere, mere chance of amateur club grant it, but it could easily happen. Uh, just for these Western Scotland clubs. The other thing I think would, would really grow Paul when it, I mean, I don't know if the amateurs still have like the international team, but certainly a few of my friends were amateur internationals and, and, and kicked on after that. Mm-hmm. When we had the when we had the amateur when we had the amateur team in Curly, I'll be honest, I was really, really proud to be an amateur team. I was really, really proud of being part of the association. Likewise I am with the West of Scotland and like with the juniors. Scottish Cup Day in the amateurs was brilliant. You know, you could go any, you know, you could get drawn way up to Aberdeen, had a great day out. Memories, boys are still meeting the pub, or when we could go to the pub, we still talk about that day and, st- and stuff like that. So there's actually still a culture with amateur football that, do you know, it actually suits a lot of people as well. Well, I've been very, very fortunate to be in charge of two, two clubs that had a great community backing. And it's great when you see you're going in buses, as you say, Aberdeen or whatever. You're going in buses and everybody's all leaving the pub to go into these buses. It's as if they're going to watch Rangers or Celtic. And it was brilliant for the players. And when you get together now and you're thinking back in the days, it's all very, very fond memories. So it is. And the people was, you know, within the community, they all talk about it as well. It's days that you just probably don't appreciate them on the day about what they're going to mean later on, sort of thing. But the, the, the thing, you know, when you were talking about there, about teams getting up, the amateurs and all that, see when you look at Darvo, Darvo, the first year they went down there, that was very nearly a Colville Park team. And they went down and they held their own. They, 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 I don't think they tain any hidings. And I think they'd won more games in the loss. And obviously Michael's built again for there. And it's, it's very, very strong looking. We had the the former Stranra player Alan Jenkins on a few weeks back. He's now heading up their uh, youth department down at Stranra, uh-huh. and he was talking about how he fears, you know, this this twelve months without football at that level could see almost like a, lo- a lost generation of, of young players coming through. Is, is 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 there any is there any fear for you that you know with amateur teams, amateur players? You know, there might be players out there who might have been playing this year and now on every Saturday or every Sunday they found something else, a different hobby. Is there any is there any fear for you, you know, for the amateur game? Not that it's gonna die, but you know, it's it's gonna be you know, there might be players who might never reappear who otherwise would have been playing. Definitely. And then with that when you're talking about the use, usually they get to under twenty ones and if they're not picked up, the amateur team will pick them up not at that's that's a bit annoying this year. So it's going to take a wee bit of building again. Definitely take a wee bit of building again. Hopefully, not too much damage. And it's able just to kind of come in seamlessly again. And then the people who run the teams get building again and make sure everything continues. But you've got to think we're going to lose a few teams. Aren't I also think the opposite, though, Paul. I also think there's a, it could be a spike. In terms of, you know, you take me in a new restaurant and a new chip shop opens in your town, everybody goes the first week, don't they? There's a game of 
Well, it is a game of football we've not played for over a year. Come on, let's go. I've seen guys on, you know, this week on social media leaving, uh, one guy leaving, I think it was Les Mahego Juniors to go to uh, sign the Les Mahego Amateurs. Uh, Les Mahego Amateurs assigned the boy uh, that was at uh, Albion Rovers and, and, and was at Lark Hall last year, the striker. And you think to yourself, you know, they're going there because they see that as a route to, to football coming back pretty quick. So I think you might see a Graham Gracie was the guy I was trying to name there. <laughs> you, you'll see a I think you'll see a spike in guys going to the amateurs, as then retaining them, as then you know, and maybe and maybe the answer to that post summer football will retain them. Nah, well, I know there's a, there's a lot of boys playing amateur football and it should be for whatever reason I know they should be away playing at these clubs anyway but for they've decided to play where they're playing whether it's confidence or playing with their pals or whatever they, they should be so you get quite a lot of junior players coming back and doing that you do get quite a lot of uh, junior players doing that whether it's for the reason you think that the amateurs will be back quicker I'm, I'm not so sure I don't know but it's not unusual unless we go are a good side they're a fine side so there's also the a social element in amateur football in terms of you go to amateur football to play with your pals. You pay a tenner to play with your pals. You maybe go to a club, either your teammates, but they're not your pals. And that's, that's right. I think, West Mahego amateurs, I think, have got, they're all, they're a gang, do you know what I mean? They're just a, a crowd of boys that all hang about together and they just want to play football together. And that's maybe something, again, the amateur football could benefit from. Uh-huh, definitely, I. Two years ago, we actually played in the Scottish Cup final, and they were a very, a very well run side. So they were very well coached, and uh, they were the committee and all that. They were, you could tell they were about themselves sort of thing. And as you know yourself, some volunteers at junior football as well, but some of them, some of them are junior only. Well, no junior, they'll be semi-professional now. It's name only because a lot of these teams are better run sort of thing, which. You get it, but you put in, don't you? Absolutely. So, so just to round up this part of the show, um, when could we expect to see announcements from the amateur side of things? Do you think, Paul, as to what might you know happen in the future, or is that still up in the air because of the it's COVID? Still up, up in the air? It's still up in the air now, and plus you're getting these reports of a third wave coming as well. Yeah. That's that maybe that put everything on hold again. But we are hoping definitely got with our summer league. Hopefully, it's something running for June. All going well. I'm Chris Jardin, first team coach at Dolbeaty Star. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Now here's Roach's Roundup with Kilburnie Laidside assistant boss, Des Roach. Well, to begin this week, we start on the managerial front with news coming out of Edinburgh City that manager James McDonough has moved upstairs to the role of sporting director after three and a half years in the hot seat. Grabbing the opportunity to replace McDonough is ex-Hearts, Everton and Scotland defender Gary Naismith. Naismith joins Edinburgh after previous stints at the helm of East Fife and Queen of the South. Naismith has waited little time in adding his own touch to the squad by naming fellow Scottish Cup winning ex-teammate Grant Murray as his assistant manager. Murray leaves Hibs, but he was their development squad manager. On the playing front, Melanie Smith has made two loan additions to the squad, one being the highly rated St Johnston defender Sam Denham and experienced striker Darren Smith, who joins from Stevie Aitken's East Kilbride. 
Another player leaving K Park on loan is skipper Paul Payton. He's moved across Lanarkshire to Airdrie. However, EK have made a stipulation that should the Lowland League return at any point, then Payton will return to the Kilby. In the west of Scotland, Vice Chairman Colin Boyd has mentioned that they have received five applications to join the league for next season, with one of them being Harm Royal Youth Club, one of Scotland's most revered community clubs. Boyd believes that no club should be denied the chance to realise their ambitions and wouldn't be against seeing an extra division tagged on to the west of Scotland years to accommodate these teams. Up in the Highland League, while everyone was waxing lyrical about Broder's win over Hearts, and quite rightly so, it almost went unheralded fellow Highlanders for Martin, also about league opposition in Annan and penalties. This sets up a mouth-watering tie at home for Paul Lawson's squad against Motherwell in the next round. And finally, to finish on managerial matters, down in the south of Scotland League, Eyemouth United are in the market for a new manager to take over. Currently struggling in Division 1 Conference B, they're looking for a management team and coaches who can be motivated to build a squad for next season. Well, that's all for me. As usual, hope you're all well. And back to Gareth and Paul. My name is John McEwen, manager of Shots Bon Accord, and you're listening to Down the Division. Football Central Sunday League Vice President Paul McCall is with us. Uh, obviously, you've been steeped in lower league football for many years now, Paul, but you were a player at Darlington in the 80s, I believe. Uh, how did all that come about? I was a kid. I was down there. Um, the family used to live in Rutherland, went down there, and I chopped my job and down there, and I started playing with one of the local teams, and then they picked us up. All right. We played youth football and reserve football and that, we were in Banner getting anywhere near the first team. We were in there for about 18 months. Part of one season, the full of the next season. Uh, played against Gascoigne when I was in there right enough. Wait, wait, was that in youth youth football then? Football. But he, he was actually a year younger than me, playing the year above. Plus he played in the reserve team. Oh, Can I get near him? Could not get near him. A wee, a wee plump. Everybody knew him down there. It was just this wee plump kid that was I was going to be this superstar by the time he's put the bat against us. And where were you playing? What position were you playing that day? Against him, I played uh, middle midfield. Right, right. And just going to Yeah, I was going to say you could tell right away that he'd got something extra. Aye, uh, everybody, everybody in the area was showing a bit of boy for a couple of years by this time. He was really well known. It was going to go and obviously maybe you know be the superstar he was, but. He, Big, big, big things were thought of the boy. And you you were what age then? I'd have been 18, going on 19. So after things maybe didn't work out at Darlington, was that the point? Did you did you, did you go somewhere else down there or did you just come back no, up here then? Back, I came back home, signed with... I was me- meant to sign for Clyde. It was John Clark and whatever happened. <laughs> Nothing materialised at that. And I signed for Glencairn. I got a stay in Rutherglen. And that was my local side. Yeah. How, how how did you find that? I mean, not having played in that at that level in the juniors, coming back up the road, was it a bit of a wake up call to begin with? And took your time. I'd to... always, no, I'd always watched junior football uh, when I was a kid. I, I knew, I knew what it was going on. You know that. At that particular time, you were getting a lot of reinstatements coming back. It was near. But the seventies, you got all oh, Celtic loaning out players to junior teams and all that. All, all your teams are loaned out. It went the other way. You now it was all the old players coming back, reinstating back into juniors, taking the big sign on fees, and they were done playing football. They were just using the 
the kids as a ball. The younger players get used as a ball. They just boot it all over the place. Good grounding. I'll take you back to your Darlington days. Hey, I've been down at Darlington's ground quite a few times. It's an super stadium. I take it it was nothing like that when you were there. No, it was Fetham's. It was a old cricket ground, they called it. It was at the the train station. It was a a glorified New Orleans field. (laughs) For for people who don't know Darlington Stadium, Darlington built a, a stadium that I can only probably describe as the same as Leicester City and Derby County, that type of stadium in terms of the architecture of it. Uh, but then they, they, they went bust, didn't they? I think it lasted about three or four years and they were liquidated and they went down, the, the, down through the divisions and that. I think they're back in the conference north now. I don't think they play there anymore, do they? There's a rugby team that plays out there at the moment, I think. The last time I passed the motorway, you can see it for the motorway. It's still there. I don't know who plays that weird talent in playing now. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure I covered a Scotland under 21 or Scotland under 19s against England under 19s game there years ago. It is just off the motorway, isn't it? That's right. Yeah. Uh, you can see it from the motorway. Yeah. I'd left. I was I was back up the road about 10 years by the time I'd built up. And and how did that then compare to when you came back up to to, to Rutherglen? Then was that uh, you 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 were well used to playing in uh, conditions like that then? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the other thing was good the years before that my father had actually managed the team and all that so I had a, had a lot of thing with feeling for me uh, I enjoyed my time now. so you'd go along with your, your old man on match days would you when he was managing when was I was young, no that, when I was younger we used to go and then he was but I was kind of a wee bit older when he was a manager I was going to the games myself sort of thing and was that you then hooked on the juniors playing wise? You yeah, loved it. Always now. See, I go and watch football. I still get in England, watch games and all that, and I'll go and watch academy games even in England. But see, the best value for money you can get is your six pound into a junior game. That's the best value for money you'll get. You can go and spend money, go and watch people in a Champions League match. You'll never get value like you do on a Saturday. You can dump in your six pound there the gate, the junior fella. Agree, Paul. I've said this all along for six. Well, for a tenner you get for a tenner you get a pie and bobble for that as well. Do you know what I mean? In fact, you get changed with a tenner for a pie and bobble, and the entertainment at the at the juniors is absolutely first class. And do you know what? Even if I wasn't managing in the juniors, I I, I would be I, I would be lost. I would go along to the games every week. Honestly, that's how much it means to me. Honestly, superb. And, and how did your spell, you know, there as a player go, Paul, when you when you when you were playing for the Glens? Uh, it was it was okay. The new manager came in. <laughs> then uh, the wee I was telling you before the wee argument with him. Oh. The back at pre-season, and then I went basically I went out the game for that full season. But you were allowed to play what was called welfare football. Uh, I signed with a, a team called Tenants Tenants Brewers. So you went away and you played your game and all that. Had your shell and you came back and they paid you, but they put the money in your shoe. You didn't know how much you were getting to, you were getting dressed. Everybody was all getting different amount of money. But it's some team that got Joe Ward and all that. Joe played with Joe played with Aston Villa. Nearly everybody had a grounding in the game. There was no, what, they didn't care, carry anybody or anything like that. 
And if they wanted you, you get a job with them. I didn't, I didn't need a job with them at the time, but they got you a job. Now I was actually quite a good setup I had. Was that linked into Tennant's Brewery? Aye, nearly everybody that played had played at least professional sort of thing. And you, you were playing in what league then? Was that an amateur league? It was a, welf- it was a welfare league they called oh, it. And nearly all the teams were in the same boat. It was all people that had been retained by clubs. And this was the only kind of states of football you could play in because somebody else held your registration. So it was a pirate league, that's what you're telling me? It actually, it wasn't a pirate, mm-hmm. a pirate league. No, it's in Scottish Cup, not that. So it wasn't a pirate It's just that you could have a profession, you could be signed in a professional somewhere but still playing that league. Right. So, so uh, you talked about the money that was in the shoe when you came back in. Was that dependent on performances, uh, Paul? Or if you scored a hat trick, would you have a few more, few more quid in there? It depended on the game and it was a state. It was like a Scottish Cup game and all that. There was mere money, but all the players all got different uh, sort of amounts in their shoes. So I was trying to put goalkeepers' shoes on all the time. You get the most money. <laughs> I was trying. To- <laughs> did you get a couple of cans off them as well? I did everything uh, uh, was just threw into the dress rooms after the game, maybe before the Grunsman, he got left something as well. Because they all played in junior Grunsman at the time. He had played at the Glens or Peter Sill, St Rocks. It was one of these sort of parts and they just left the couple of, uh, couple of cases for the Grunsman and that. It was good. It was good times. Tell us as well about the other junior teams you played for. I mean, I take it, I think the Glens would have been, where, where I mean, being a local team, you must have been quite proud playing for them. But um, how did how did juniors the juniors go for you before you went uh, went into the amateurs? Well, after the Glens, I uh, turned up at Shelton. What I used to see the when we went amateur at the end of the season, all the junior teams would midweek games and they'd maybe five or six games to play within a two week period so you could get on a Monday night and maybe play for Blanter Vicks or something then the Wednesday night you'd get and play for Cam's Lang Rangers you didn't need to sign they just played you as a trialist kind of thing so you were going out and you were, sometimes there was one season I think I played for about six junior clubs in the one season in fact <laughs> the one six and then you were never called you were never called Paul McCall once in any of them <laughs> Thing that you were just as a trialist, but you play the night with one team, you play the Wednesday night with another team. And and then I mean you obviously you went into the uh, to the amateurs after that. Was was that when you did you quickly fall in love with the amateurs because of some of the things that you've talked about before about you know what the amateurs has maybe got that, that what the juniors didn't have you know the sort of social side Paul was talking about and, and these other things. I definitely the social side uh, things was really really good and it didn't really matter if. People didn't come for your area. They just seem you'd wake up on the Sunday morning. They were still in your house, kind of thing. <laughs> your man, uh, he came in after you last night. <laughs> Are you were sleeping when he came in? Can I get a taxi home? People sleep with you. Uh, people sleep in your house every weekend. <laughs> so, uh, did you kind of did you have quite a few amateur teams you played for over the years? Then, um, maybe about five or six. Uh, maybe four, five, six. Uh, where, where would your happiest time have been there? Uh, socially, there was a team called Domarnock. Um Socially, that would have been the happiest. And 
with Bidding, we Sunday team and all, we just started ourselves, just me and another boy for Saturday. We were only young boys at the time. We were only about 25, but we were running the team. And off, I don't know how we go to work on a Monday now, already. <laughs> I was putting you in the pub on the Monday morning, you take him to change to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> and and you, you then went into, well, first of all, assisting assistant manager at Glasgow Harp. Was, was, uh, was that side of the game something that always interested you? Did, you know, or did that come later on in your playing career that you kind of got into that side of things? I was always interested in it, and the older I go, kind of, I was kind of dysfunctional when I was younger, sort of thing. You wouldn't listen to anybody when you thought the ball was yours, sort of thing. But as you got older, you started taking more content in the game and all that, and listening to people more. And I was getting older and getting interested in that side of it, and. Aye, it was something I knew I was going to do, maybe for the, after we had the wee Sunday team. I'd taken it a lot more serious after that sort of thing. But uh, Glasgow Hart, that was unbelievable. We were talking about clubs, amateur clubs been run properly. That place was phenomenal. So it was with the people running it up there. Absolutely phenomenal. In, in what way, Paul? Just, but the, the play, all the players had today and a Saturday was turn up. Everything was there for them, towels, all that. Turn up with their boots, that was that. Uh, all the part the, the rain groundsmen uh, the people in making their dinner for them finishing and all that it was just phenomenal so it was goes back to the volunteers you talked about earlier on I suppose uh, just all, all uh, pulling together and really, really good people and they're still there they started that team as two boys in the team and they two guys now I don't know they were getting near 60 they're still there for day one to the day they two boys are still there but they've extended the committee now and Everything's great up there. You couldn't wish to go to a better club, I don't think. And I guess that then gave you the taste for management and you went on to Redbury, was it, first of all? And then uh, Eastfield? I, another wee argument with one of the two guys. The <laughs> 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 wee disagreement at the end of one of the seasons. We decided to go our own way, uh, different ways. They'd offered us a job again just a couple of years ago, but I was settled, quite settled where I was. And how did you find giving up the playing and going into the management side of the game? Obviously, played all, all that time to go in and then have to deal with guys no paying their £10 a week and chasing them up for money. and See, I've never really... I see well that's a problem and all that, but I've never ever had to deal with that, especially like Liz Gahap. You somebody deal with me all that, carry on. Um, it was... Probably lucky I was at the club. I was, it was seamless moving in for playing to, and I was getting a lot of injuries. And the time was right to chuck it. And if you weren't, if I didn't have done that, I'd probably have sat in the pub on a Saturday. It was just, it was a good thing. It was a good option to have at the time. And something enjoyed. We'll come on to Rather Glen Vogue in a minute, but Redbray and Eastfield were your first two managerial appointments, I think. Uh, did they give you a good grounding for what then came at Rather Glen Vogue afterwards? Well, Red Bray was very, very difficult, so it was ten is away out of our area. We are Rather Glen people and Tenen, the coaching people come out, came with us at that time. They travelled with us. Uh, went away up to Kirk and Tillock. So we're up there. They were a good side. They'd go to the final the rest of the year before. But with the committee when they offered us a job, Padima, to, to tell us why the players were leaving. They were all going to uh, Hairstains. Or the good players were going to Hairstains. 
So we had to go up and just had the ball for scratch again. And they, they, they were happy. The, the, the committee were happy with us, but it wasn't, we weren't happy with them sort of thing. So we stayed. Once they were safe, they ended up, we better getting some the local sort of thing. And they ended up just reapplying and getting some the local one. Then we went to Resistfield after that. Um, some of the coaching boys, one of the coaching boys, really, really good at his job, but he wanted to go back and play, so he went back and played, and me and the other big guys just came running the team sort of thing. And mentioned Rother Glen Vogue, that was, uh, that was where the first Scottish Cup uh, win came in, I think it was 2013, beat Harvester 4-2 at, at Almondvale Stadium, Livingston's Almondvale Stadium. What do you remember about that day? It was just the, the the year was brilliant, so it was all the travel. I think all the cup rounds we were only at home and we only got one home tie. So it was all the, all the buses and all the people getting excited as the rounds were going on and all that. It was really, really good and thinking back that now. But we were really, really lucky at the folk, the players we had. We had some fantastic players who, for one reason or another, had lost their way. But they, some of them had kind of were at lofty clubs, so they were. We'd actually had one boy played Champions League football, and our boy played against Torres in a European tournament. We were, we were lucky. We, we got, it's people we knew, we, we, we weren't doing anything untoward getting them. It was just boys that fell in difficult times, and we get them back playing football again, getting them enjoying it. And was that just guys that were local? Like we said before, wanted to play with their pals? Aye, aye, aye. aye just. We're lucky, but just timing. They won the debt. We were there and they were wanting to get back in, and they kind of had to offer me back and start enjoying it again. Right, and everyone who are listeners now wants to know who was the player that played Champions League. I might know, I might know. Oh, oh, okay, I guess. It's not a quiz here, Gareth. Bob Davidson. It was Bob, yes. Uh, Only I, because I saw his epic in the final. You did, I. Um, the thing about it was usually when you you, were, you get a player like that coming back into the amateur circles, he'd be about 36, 37, 38. Bob was 25. He was in his prime, so he was. And it was just a shame that you couldn't get his head because he could have went and played upstairs still at that time. But it just, whatever happened to the boy, it just, he wasn't fucking in and doing the, the hard work kind of thing. It suited him where he was. And just for any listeners, Wondering if there are any out there wondering about Bob Davidson, he would have played Champions League for Rangers, yeah. Yeah, uh huh. And I don't know who the, who the guy was who played against Torres. Who was that? That was big centre half, Paul McLaughlin. He was at Hearts when he was a boy. He was a Scotland youth uh, captain of Scotland youths. They played in a tournament and played against Spain and France and all that. Uh, the finals of a European tournament. He was actually uh, he could vote it. He got an AK sponsorship for a year. He got voted the Scottish player of the tournament. He got to sell an AK sponsorship for the year. Must be a couple of these boys play Champions League living in new mains, is there no? <laughs> <laughs> that was just built for the trees, that one. So that, that uh, I mean, I mean that, 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 that cup final win, I think I think there's 600 teams entered. And like, like you said, you know, seven of the eight rounds were away. Uh you feel confident going into that final because of the, the calibre of players you had? And, and I mean, I think all three of Bob's goals were, had, were penalties, weren't they? Penalties, right. 
We didn't even get the man of the match. The wee winger get the man of the match. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, there was other boys in the team, like uh, Stephen McKeown. He'd played with Airdrie. Uh, yeah. He'd had a career at Airdrie and Thistle. Uh, wee boy, uh, Steg. He was Dundee United. Wee Nicky McDonald, Dundee United. They'd all had a good grounding, but for various reasons, it fell away from the game, and we were just lucky we'd go to them at a particular age that we could get them interested again and enjoy playing with the team. And that was, I mean, on top of all that, that was just the second season uh, of the club's uh, existence, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Aye. And two years later, I think uh, you then you then went to Canvas Lang Rangers, and there were there were only two two Paul McCalls, wasn't it? Well, the other one's kind of infamous, <laughs> but I was two Paul McCalls in the dugout. How did you get around that, if, if somebody was referring to you or the other Paul McCall? Well, see, to be fair, um, I didn't last too long. I, I didn't enjoy it. I went up and I'd done the pre-season for him, and just the way things were getting run, it didn't suit me. So I kind of stepped back for it and just waited to get back in and get another amateur uh, gig. But it, it, it didn't suit me, Cam was lying. And it shouldn't have suited me anyway. I shouldn't have been. That's the local rivals. Across <laughs> uh, the divide. Uh, and you ended up then, Casamog Dynamo was, was next. And uh, you then won, I think, the Scottish Cup and the West of Scotland double and, and another three competitions along the way. So, uh, pretty successful period there. Oh, that was great. Um, I think the last, the last two seasons I was there with. Out of ten trophies, we won eight. Uh, but the last year, we won every trophy you went in for. We, we managed, luckily, we managed to win, which doesn't happen often. It was really, really good. It's fantastic for the people again involved with the club. It, they, they were a club uh, with a Scottish Cup tie. You could get easily two, three hundred watching them. They, they carried big crowds, so they did, and they've done that for years. And we obviously talked to you about being, you know, the the vice president of the league right now. But are you, are you, are you looking to get back in the game as, and I mean, as a as a manager again, or, or are you kind of done with that now? No, definitely I'll get back. Um, it's just see when you're doing these kind of things, the, the thing that's important is the people are already at the club. They're the important people, and you've got to be comfortable with it. I mean, you can go and hear all these promises and all that, but footballs. I've never met so many people are fakes so there isn't fit and that's the top to bottom that's people at the top of the game they'd put a knife in you as quick as look at you to people at the bottom everybody's got an opinion sort of thing and as soon as you feel, feel it's all about feeling comfortable for me as soon as I'm comfortable I'm happy enough there of, of, of all those uh, successes we've talked about there which, which one kind of meant the most to you was it was it the Rutherglen went Rutherglen won because it was Rutherglen or I mean was it a bigger achievement with, with Casamog Dynamo you I, I don't know the two of them for different reasons Casamog because of the people at the club they've been gone 20 years and hadn't hadn't won it and it was a big big thing for them a big bug year so I got a lot of enjoyment out of that but obviously the Rutherglen thing it's mine pub we, we played out of these sponsors the pub and just seeing people that you've known for years getting carried away for the season sort of thing. It was really good that as well, but the two of them, just equally, uh, it was good. So did you say it was your pub? Well, the pub I've drank in for. Oh, I've drank in. Right. 
So did you have to buy a drink that night then, or were you all right for that? I've not bought one since. <laughs> <laughs> Tom would say you never bought one before. <laughs> <laughs> My name's Tommy Sloan, Auchinleck Talbot Manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Which brings us to Inside the Mind. Each week we'll put our guests on the spot to look deep into their psyche and discover some hidden stories. Right, Paul, who was your idol as a boy? I think the first idol I've had many growing up. The first idol would have been John Gregg, but... I had an appreciation for, I was a Ranger supporter, but I had an appreciation for everybody's players. Douglas, Willem Allen, McLeish. My favourite player ever was David Cooper. Yeah. Uh, Cooper would have been my favourite player. Did you model yourself on him? Uh, wish I could. <laughs> <laughs> he was about the only person I'd been able to keep up with. He was so long. <laughs> uh, who's the toughest opponent you faced? Uh I wouldn't really say I was anybody sticks out uh, kind of individually, but I used to hate playing going down to St. Pat's, down at Dumbarton. I used to hate going down there. It was absolutely terrible. Their crowd hated me. They always go to a crowd. <laughs> Don't know what I'd done to them. <laughs> uh, what's the favourite football top you've worn and why? Uh, the two, the Glens hoop one, they did a sort of Queen's Park strip and it's always been synonymous. Every time you see our old photos in the clubs, it's this black and white hoop thing. But the one of the years they had a like a Juventus type thing, and it looked really, really smart. So it did. I think that's the only season that they've been they broke for the hoops. But uh, I the the Juventus one and the hoops one. Who's the best player you've played with? Uh, I can't get back about forty years. Not been mean anything. MD, anybody? Hey, you might be listening in. They might be listening in. You never know. Uh, the, the, the player I enjoyed playing with him was a wee guy called John Jackson. He just run through Brick Walls and give you the ball. Where was that? Uh, that had been at Domarnock and I played in a couple of Scottish Selects games. You know. um, he would, oh, he's just a, a ball winner and he knew his limitations sort of thing. He wasn't interested in doing anything other than winning the ball and he allowed players to play all around about him. I would never have, I'd never have left him out of team, actually. And what's the best practical joke you've seen? A couple played on me. Um, there was one, I guess, a phone call. Uh, was the Scottish Cup, I kind of mind the Scottish Cup final, but it was the senior Scottish Cup final, and all the amateur games were off, but Scotland amateurs were playing Ireland on the Saturday. So, we went to train on Wednesday and we're all arranging to meet up the Saturday to watch the Scottish Cup final. I'm in the house on the, the Thursday and the, the phone goes, takes a phone call and it's such and such. It says it's Scottish Amateur FA. We had our final training session last night and we're going into Saturday's game with three uh, three call-offs through injury and another call-off through an, it was just a phone call and a call-off through a, a bereavement. We're wondering would you consider being okay to come into the squad as a replacement? What's the, what's the arrangements? Can you get yourself, there's going to be pick-up points along the way, can you get yourself into George Square Saturday morning at 10 o'clock? Said I, and he's been like that, and it stuck my mind about that. If, you, uh, if you're out of pocket, keep the receipts, and you'll be reimbursed for your expenses. So that gives a wee hand, 9 o'clock, rather than train station. 
Yeah, we're at Argyle Street, yeah, train station at ten past nine. And I'm walking in all the short windies before I'm walking around this George Square trying to kill a bit of time. It's around there, it's about 20 past nine. I was thinking to myself, I wonder if they'll play me, I wonder if they'll be on the bench, all that. 20 to, 20 to 10, I'm counting all the taxis all the way around the square. Quarter to 10, I'm counting the, the do's on the square, so I'm <laughs> off the way. 10 to 10, I said, that's strange, there's no damn no one here. 10 o'clock comes, never did it, still me, no bus. 10 past 10, somebody's done me. The <laughs> 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 train station, I'm thinking to myself, could be my bra, it's one of the kind of things he'd have done. I said, but he doesn't know anything about Scotland playing, so couldn't have been him, try to think. It could have been a van boy, but he's not got the brain for it. Stain my nut, and so I could see him, I get changed and all that, makes my way down to the pub. So the pub's quite busy when I get in, but need to get up off a the 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 their seat to buy me a drink. I goes to the bar and orders myself a drink. No, here's the corner is uh did you keep your train tickets for your expenses? There was one of the boys in the team who got his brother to phone me. About <laughs> <laughs> <that> one done. <laughs> Hello, my name's Willie Kinnebra, manager of Gap Cairn. You're listening to Down the Divisions. Before we finish up, we'll clear up the down the divisions decider. Just can you give us those clues again, please, Paul? Okay, so the first game was in Feb- was on February the nineteenth, eighteen seventy six, when they faced Valencia, not the Spanish giants, but the local junior side. They had also represented Scottish football in Europe on three occasions, and in nineteen sixty three sixty four season, they beat. Sparta Burno of Czechoslovakia. In 1995, they become the first Scottish side to participate in the Intertoto Cup. Famous for wearing distinctive colours, this wasn't always the case. They spent their first 50 years wearing blue. I might have got got an idea. It's a part guess, guess, but uh, do you know the answer, Paul? It's only a guess. It's leaving part. It's just a uh, an England. Right, you go first, Paul. Party thistle. Right, would you say Gareth? I'm gonna go for Airdrie. Party thistle. Paul gets it. Is that right? Yeah, Partick thistle. Played in blue for the first fifty years. There you go. That was good from Paul. One of the things I would like to say, actually, for when we do finish up this week, uh, Robert Irvin left uh, Les Mahigo Juniors as the manager. He stepped up to the to the committee, and I just want to wish Robert all the best because when I'm at it, obviously the juniors at first, Robert has been an absolute great help to me in terms of players and loaning players just even there to me. So I just want to wish Robert eh, all the best and want his brother Andy on the committee. So all the best, Robert. Yeah, sure. We all echo those thoughts as well. Uh, Paul, thanks for thanks for joining us tonight. Enjoyed the chat and. Uh, Definitely looking forward to seeing how this this summer football develops. Uh, perhaps right. if, there's, if there's any, uh, I know obviously Alec and Paul uh, Paul Davis obviously speak as well. But if there's anything we can do to help publicise that, you know, by all means, by all means, give us a shout. We'd like to, you know, let the listeners know how that's progressing. Uh, but no, really appreciate you coming on tonight, Paul. Okay, thanks for having me, lads. Thanks again to our sponsors, 44 Creative. Go to www.44creativehq.com. 
if you're looking for a photographer, graphic designer, videographer, or video editor. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us with your comments or suggestions for people to speak to, or if you'd like your club's audio featured on the show. Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Do leave a comment, which helps others find us, and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions. Down the Divisions.